Make believe is not pretend We might be ill but we're on the mend It never starts, it never ends Welcome to Craig and Friends Welcome to Craig and Friends Welcome to Craig and Friends Hello Hello, hello, how are you? I'm, I'm great, sorry I'm late. Oh, don't worry about it, that's fine. I ended up having some kind of mild technical problem, so it all worked out perfectly. Oh, gorgeous, it's all worked out in the end. Yeah. Do you, do you end up using the video? Uh, yeah, I do for, uh, um, I use for promo posts, and I'm going to start putting stuff up on YouTube as well. In which case, I'll take off this warm, uh, sensible dressing gap. Maybe I'll leave it on a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Do, I just took it off and I was like, it's freezing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you happen to have earbuds or anything? Oh, yes. I can put on a headphone. Okay, cool. Over, over the wig. Oh, no, How that's okay. You, 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 don't, you don't have to if it's going to uh, compromise the wig. It's okay. Oh, no. If it makes it... Actually, do you know what? Put it on under the wig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Perfect that way it'll actually fit. <laughs> oh. Okay, Maybe <laughs> I'm kind of com- I'm kind of committed to trying this now. I, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Is this a look? A unique look for my show, which I appreciate. <laughs> I might. Do you know what? We might have a. We might go for a a natural, real hair moment. Okay, perfect. We'll see how we feel? Well, I'm certainly doing a, a very real hair. My my lockdown mullet is getting ever more uh, present. Oh, me too. Well, I mean, obviously, I have a slightly more Afro textured hair, but it's sure. still it's mullet esque for me. <laughs> mullet yeah, so adjacent. Are you cutting your own hair, or just letting? What are you doing for your hair? Do you know what I've concluded? Just as you asked me that question, I decided that I'm gonna uh, cut my hair today and bleach it. Oh, amazing! I've had bleach ready to go, and I'm just like. Just do it. You only live once. Do you know what I mean? No, that's what I was thinking about lately because I have the clippers with all the different attachments. So I'm thinking, mm. well, if I do the longest attachment... Then it's safe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because basically, I just it's getting too much. Like, I mean, this is under control and this is not under control. There's this thing happening. So anyway, yeah. That's <laughs> me every day of my life. Like, I don't know how, how this piece of hair is so long right now, but we, we move. This is our existence. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And then we'll look back at the photos and go, oh, look at that. That, you know, that'll be the interesting part of this whole experience. Well, not for you. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you've had quite a lot of different uh, interesting parts of this whole experience because you were to and fro from the bubble outside the bubble before you knew there was a bubble. All of that. Mm, There's a lot. There was a lot. Um, But, you know, we we're we're still here and we're still going and we're moving through the the global panettone, as I've been calling it, just to avoid the word. Um, but we are moving through it. And I just think, like, as much as that was a really difficult time period, I feel like we're uh, we're getting to the end of it and we're going to look back on it and it's going to feel like, um, like a history moment. Like, people are going to learn about what we've just lived through in, in classes, which is just bizarre to think about you know it really is remarkable and i agree with you that we are in the end stages of this whole thing i can feel a certain lift i imagine you can as well yeah absolutely i mean it's been it's been the most bizarre experience sort of uh having all of 
this uh, <laughs> this drag stuff happening all at the same time. But it's um, I don't want to call it a blessing because obviously it's been a particularly awful time for a lot of people. But it, in a way, it's been very helpful to me to have perspective. Sure, and I think it's good to have that approach when dealing with Michelle Visage because I know that it can be upsetting. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but uh, uh, also the other thing about historical perspective is that you and your compatriots helped to lift people's spirits during a really difficult time. You know, it's like the thing everyone looks forward to every week, in particular when it started. It was a little darker of a uh, time. Yeah, and that's honestly been the most amazing thing to come out of it I think for all of us it's just that feeling that like no matter how we feel looking back or no matter what's happening at the moment like we know that that show is coming on that Drag Race UK is going to bring a little bit of joy and glitz and glamour and entertainment and uh, give you everything that you need at this time especially you know you said it like it has been a bit of a dark a dark time and to have that sort of ridiculously pink room <laughs> appear on screen once a week it's got to lift people's spirits to some extent yeah i imagine also re- being able to return back to the show was a bit of a godsend because i mean i was excited the other day when i went to the bakery it was like oh this is great we're back <laughs> to normal life so i'd actually go back to shooting a tv show i bet it was like oh this feels good yeah it was it was the return the return was a moment um but it was difficult, I can't lie, because obviously there are um, aspects of things that maybe, you know, everyone watching the show, you see a week pass and you think, they had seven months and she turns up in a terrible <laughs> ice cream cone costume. <laughs> There's been a lot of things going on in people's lives that obviously are not necessarily addressed on the show or maybe addressed publicly that sort of may have stopped people, whether that's financial or as veronica touched on in the the uh special episode she was so down for weeks yeah. yeah um and it was a really really tough time so um like mad apologies to the people who wanted more rhinestones on that but <laughs> unfortunately we're also all living through a really difficult time financially emotionally um physically d all of the above like yeah it was tough. So going back in and walking back in was uh, for the five minutes and before I found out that Veronica wasn't coming back uh, was a real sigh of relief and a real sort of like moment to breathe again. Oh, but that was a real kick in the gut for you too, because Veronica was, and you were cl- quite close, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's awful. Honestly, yeah. um, I had no idea at all. I had no suspicion I sort of clocked um, while we were sat there. I sort of counted up and I was like, oh, there's only one person left. I entered at that point. Oh, my brain just went, they're doing it alphabetically. That makes total sense. (laughs) Um, And when you watch it back, they actually did. But now I know it's for a reason. (laughs) So I was like, oh, Veronica, Veronica will be there in a second. And we were all sort of laughing and joking uh, because she does take quite a while to get ready. She's <laughs> usually the last one. So you're just so thinking about like, oh, classic Veronica. Here we go. Yeah, of course she's late. <laughs> and then you're expecting Veronica to walk in next. And there's RuPaul in a Ginny Lemon wig. Uh, unexpected on many levels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you mentioned history. 
And you're quite into Ooh. history, right? I, I, I mean, obviously noted that from the first episode with the Alan Turing outfit. Yes, I am. I try to be. It's not necessarily my uh, my strongest subject, but I think um, it's important to me to have an awareness of things that have happened. <clears throat> it's important to me to not lose my voice. And it's important to me to have an awareness of uh, things that have happened in the past, because I think if you don't know what's come before, then you don't know where to, to take things afterwards. Um, it's just incredibly important to me. And Alan Turing, as much as that was a moment for a plethora of reasons, both good and bad, um, I'm glad that it got some more attention and more focus on someone that deserves it, to be honest. I kind of had the feeling that most people would know who he is when I did it, but it was a choice that was made to sort of be like, well, there are like very young people who watch the show who are into it, who might not be aware. They might not have learned about Alan Turing in history or researched or watched the imitation game or anything like that. So I was like, this is my choice and I'm going to do it in a fun, colorful way. Yeah. Um, turns out quite a lot of people did not know who he was. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that kind of became a bit of a moment. Which is great because you're doing a service in addition to, and then the people who do know her excited so and it's a great Mm. suit absolutely and i got invited to bletchley park as well by the official bletchley park twitter account so what more could i want (laughs) go and roam the halls dressed as not quite alan turing but an interpretation of and just uh have a lovely time learning i want to get back into your history or go into your history rather so when did you uh first have the well let me sorry very early over here, so you have to give me a, a moment if I... Oh, what uh, time you know. is it? Uh, it's like 7.30, 7.45, something like that, um, which is fine. Oh, I just... Uh, no, 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 it's fine. I, uh, I just... Not fully caffeinated. That's the only thing. So, uh, but we're, we're getting there. Yes, cheers. Mm, same. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Essex, which mm-hmm. is... Um, where Cheryl Hole is from, sure. I think, quite iconically. <laughs> the classic Essex girl, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cheryl is the archetypal Essex girl. Um, I grew up in Essex, which was honestly a lovely pe- place to sort of like grow up. Um, we were very close to London, so we have our our tube system sort of came through to Essex or I guess Subway. Is that what the American version of the tube is? Yes, yeah, it is Subway, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but so we, we, some of us know the tube. Some of us know the tube. I actually um, went on the tube only one time in on my trip there because I get lost so often. But I was a, I was chaperoned onto the tube, and it was quite impressive. The tube it's, makes it easier to get around, quite substantially. So I was shocked at how easy it was, and also that the thing comes every five minutes, every ten minutes, or something. Is it not in America? No, you have like <laughs> it's not nowhere near as reliable and um, efficient as your system. Wow. I If I go down, so I never plan a journey like over here. You don't have to think about it. So I'm just like, oh, I'm late. Run to the, the tube station. And then I get there and I'm like, three minutes? <laughs> I never have to wait three minutes. That's so long. Like usually it's like one every one or two minutes. Like, oh, okay. When, yeah. it gets, when it gets later in the night, you're like, oh, five, five minute wait. That's, <laughs> you know, I guess it's 10 p.m. So I'll let, let it slide. But, it, like, but, I'm out, but inside I'm outraged. That kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly that. <laughs> Did you know Cheryl uh, before the show or anything? Um, yes, not well. Um, but Cheryl 
is um, quite a sort of like London scene icon. And we <clears throat> we came from different sides of uh, of London. So Cheryl was very much sort of um, more of an East London baby mm-hmm. um, and grew up under the, the tutelage of the iconic me, the drag queen. Um, and then I came from sort of the South London Soho scene and was raised by uh, the slightly more gaudy, brash, like traditional British queens who are the ones who sort of like get up there and have a particular set of songs and set of uh, set of jokes. Oh, sure. Shall we say? Yeah. 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 Reliable classics. Yeah, absolutely. It's very much, if you imagine what you think a, a British drag queen at a seaside town would be, that's every everyone that I ever worked with and everyone that I sort of was raised by in my drag. So we came at it from very different angles, but sort of knew of each other because uh, I think once you get past a certain threshold of of bookings and things in the London scene, then everyone sort of is like, oh yeah, you're that one who does this gig and this gig and this gig. Right. And you end up being at certain functions together and so mm. on. Yeah. What yeah. was the first time that you had an inkling that you wanted to do drag? So I um, sort of write my own shows and take them to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival um, most years. And when I was there, I saw a show that was called Saucy Jack and the Space Vixens, uh, which no one knows, but they should, because it's basically Rocky Horror set in space. I'm sold. Um, I'm in. I want this. Yeah. Right. And there was one drag character in it. And it was it was nothing to do with the the drag aspect of it, even though I had watched RuPaul's Drag Race for years. It was just the character. And I looked at that character and I was like, I want to play that part. So I just will. Like, I'm, I'm not going to wait for the audition for another. I'm just going <laughs> to get the rights, find a venue, play the part. basically cast myself in a show because no one else would um and found a venue which was the two brewers in clapham because it's set in a bar so i wanted to do it in a bar so i was being really like edgy subversive and creative (laughs) in that way um and then we were rehearsing it one day and the manager just came up to me and said i'm doing a drag competition you should enter and i was like oh i could never do it on my own started a girl group with two other people from the cast we did this competition and won and they were like, that means you're through to the heat final. What? <laughs> we thought it was just, okay, fine. This means you're now through to the semi-final. Wait, it's a national, it's we're com- It's across the whole of the, it's 250 people entered this competition. Okay, fine. We made it through to the final of it. Uh, the girl group is called the Vixens after Saucy Jack and the Space Vixens. Sure. Um, and in the final that year, the Vixens came second and relative unknown something one came third. So <laughs> just, just saying that final, which was won by uh, Danny Beard, who you might know. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, hosted the uh, show with Victoria's Secret that I went to see that I saw Joe at and Ginny at um, when I was there for DragCon. Yeah, Danny, absolute icon, fully deserved to win that year. Um, but the Vixens, myself and something sort of all worked in the same places. And um, we sort of became friends from that point onwards and then ended up um, doing a quiz, hosting a quiz every week together in Clapham at the Two Brewers. And yeah, no, we just sort of regularly end up in the same gigs in the same places and always inevitably end up singing Little Mix songs together. <laughs> it's a nice way to close out the night. Now, yeah. when, when did you start having an interest in writing? 
Oh, um, that probably stems from kind of feeling like I wasn't um, being put in shows because I, I studied at um, the University of Nottingham and we've got the largest student-run theatre in England there. So it's entirely run by students, the whole building, the maintenance, everything, programming. And I, that was a huge part of my time there. But I sort of, I, I got to direct once in about five years and mm-hmm. appeared in one show the whole time I was there. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but in in a year, that student theatre puts on anywhere upwards of 20 shows. Every week, there's a new show. Wow. Yeah. So the opportunity should have been there for a lot of people to get involved. And at the time, I didn't want to sort of... Uh, uh, sort of push, push, push the information, push the buttons of certain people by suggesting why uh, the same sorts of people got cast all the time. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. We were already dealing with the fact that there weren't enough um, roles for sort of uh, female actors and things like that. Um, let alone sort of POC roles and things like that. It was basically just white men in every single play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just decided off the back of that that I would um, sort of run the drama club where we did like it was an offshoot of the theatre, but I was like, this is a safe space where people who are never going to get the parts because it's so cliquey and isolated yeah. can do their own shows. And from there created this sort of devised piece and took that to the fringe and then started writing everything and now we've ended up basically just writing parody musicals of uh pop culture moments the whole through line of all of this stuff is very diy you know you look at the landscape and you say well okay that's not going to get me where i want to go so i'm just going to do it myself and it's clearly working out pretty well well i just would fully recommend that to anyone because i think it's important in a way if people aren't going to give you the opportunities. I think it's a bit of a fallacy that people think that uh, opportunities are deserved or earned um, when I think a lot of the time it's about creating it yourself Mm -hmm. and sort of like you will have to put the legwork in to sort of like make what you want to happen, happen. And it's entirely possible. And maybe, you know, it might not work out in the end. Maybe you'll be a singer-songwriter and write lots of pop songs and Lady Gaga won't record one of them. But the journey is just important as the destination. Yeah, and self-created careers are usually the most satisfying, it seems like. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of performers that you admire that led you into acting, who were some Mm -hmm. of the ones that sort of rang your bells when you were young? Um, I was a bit of a strange one, to be honest, because... I have, um, my sister always tells me stories about when I was younger. And one of the ones that she always says, I have no recollection because I was two or three. But she always tells me about how she bought a cassette tape of a RuPaul song, actually, which I think was, <laughs> it was Supermodel or something. I think it was Super. you better work. No. Yep. That's, yeah, uh, that, yeah, that's Supermodel. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently she put it on and I'd absolutely light up and sort of like dance around. And that was my favorite. But um, growing up, the biggest, like the two things had a massive impact on me. And they were the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah. And the television show Big Brother. Okay. That's an interesting combo. What a sandwich that is. Yeah. But when when you sort of um, 
end up as a, a <laughs> live singing reality TV contestant. It kind of makes sense in the end. Yeah, it does. Um, but yeah, they, they were a massive, massive influence on me. I think because Big Brother started in the UK when I was about nine. Um, so I shouldn't have been watching it because it was very naughty and it was on Channel 4 and it was like, there was always like nudity and like rude words and things. Yeah. So it was probably like um, me feeling some type of way about seeing uh, a nude man on the television screen. <laughs> oh, I'm glad um, I'm sitting down because that's very shocking. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, and also just very, uh, very simply, I, I distinctly remember one of the contestants was called Mel um, and she was um, basically the same color as me and had the same hair as me. So I was like, she's also mixed race and also does this and also that kind of thing. So I think there was like, just like a lot of young me identifying with a lot of things that was happening. There was there was a contestant called Nicola who was sort of like shaved head openly, a lesbian, like all of that kind of thing. And there were just so many aspects of all these people that age nine, I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah. In my uh, very sort of suburban, sensible Essex neighborhood, it just sort of like opened my eyes and I was obsessed with it. Yeah. I've only really seen the celebrity Big Brother, the UK edition mm. but i'm kind of obsessed with that i had to like pr- stop myself from watching it because it's a big commitment of time oh yeah every day every day <laughs> that's an episode and you could go fully down the rabbit hole with the live stream cams <gasps> yes that was always <clears throat> always a moment because they used to stream them live on the television as well so it wasn't just online oh my like, god after, like yeah after like 1 a.m instead of going off air <laughs> Do you remember when TV channels used to go off air? And I do. Like, yeah. yeah. They would just live stream it until like <laughs> six in the morning when the news started. It was so strange. Really I could weird. totally see getting hooked into that one night and then leading to many nights because then you'd be watching it and why turn it off? And then suddenly it's dawn. There's a certain specific feeling when you do that, when you're just sort of watching stuff. Then the sun comes up and you never quite get used to that. Oh, no, but I kind of love that because that always reminds me of like binge watching my favorite shows. Sure. Like, but I'm just like, I just need to, I just need to know, like, even though I've watched it 17 times, I just need to get to the bit where uh, Buffy finds out that Dawn isn't one of the potentials in the final <laughs> season of Buffy. Like, <laughs> yeah. and then it keeps going. I just need to get to the bit where Spike gets the amulet. Like, you keep oh, going. Oh, there's always like, another bargain that you're making with yourself. It's fine. You know, I'm just yeah. going to watch another half of this episode. But, I, you know, I like that intro sequence with the, that theme song that, or, you know, whatever. They did that fun thing. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. What are some of your binge watch uh, shows? Buffy, obviously, is one. But what are some of the others? Oh, I love... I. Honestly, like, um, describe myself as a glamorous geek for a reason, because it's always <laughs> that kind of, um, <laughs> always the, the same sort of shows. It's usually um, sci-fi or uh, strong women with supernatural powers. So it's Buffy. <laughs> we love Charmed. Absolutely, like, cannot yeah. um, without binge watching a bit of Charmed. I'm such a massive Doctor Who fan as well. Mm-hmm. It's, do you um, have a favorite Doctor Who? I do. I think it's Matt Smith, mm-hmm. um, the eleventh, because people always go for David Tennant, and I think just because I'm trying to be like <laughs> break the mold, I've just decided <laughs> it's Matt Smith because yeah. everyone says it's David Tennant. So I'm like, not me, <laughs> different, edgy. <laughs> I Matt make my Smith. own choices. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. But also because his his companions were Amy and Rory and just 
again, strong, powerful woman like Karen Gillan playing Amy Pond with her absolutely like firecracker red hair, being as sassy as anything. I was like, you, you're the best. I'm into this. <laughs> yeah. Saucy Jack and the Space Vixens. Uh, I, I need to be able to see something on this. Is there a video available or? Mm, that I think there's a couple of like um, clips of it on their YouTube channel where okay. you can see, um, you can actually see Faye from Steps, who's just released, the band Steps have just released a song with Michelle Visage, actually. Mm. But Faye from Steps plays the lead role in this musical. And it's um, it's honestly so ridiculous. It's about this sort of like wheeler dealer, um, sort of illegal smuggling sort of guy called Saucy Jack who runs a dive bar in space off just off the planet frottage three um, <laughs> and <laughs> there's some some naughty things going down and the intergalactic police force the space vixens who are three iconic women sort of show up <clears throat> and it turns out that jack has uh, a history with one of the space vixens and this like romantic plot sort of like but honestly i'm not convinced that it makes a lick of sense but i just love it so much because it's so camp and it to me it encapsulates everything that rocky horror did in the sense that you're like I've, there's a plot there's yeah this is a plot right these things make sense <laughs> together convincing yourself that it definitely makes perfect sense of course um, yeah yeah the but finest science fiction yeah yeah exactly um, and it's perfect it's got all of the the double entendres and things that you could possibly want from it um yeah and also hair dryers that are laser guns Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, because in Rocky Horror, where it's like the ornament off the front of a car that Richard O'Brien points at uh, Tim Curry to zap him. <laughs> Household I, items really work well in the, in this uh, medium. They do, and definitely save save money when you're trying to do a costume and props budget. So right. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> There's a couple um, late '70s sci-fi themed porns that I'm going to have to find the names of. Because I, I know that I can see the poster image. I can't remember the name, but I'll have to send them to you because they're quite lurid and they have that great sci-fi on a budget look with lots of silver foil over things and you know, people, the terrible dialogue, it, a lot of fun. That honestly sounds like the most gorgeous time. In fact, that's probably my new, that'll be my new binge watching. <laughs> terrific, <laughs> terrific. <past> time. Yeah, <laughs> I love those. What are some uh, favorite movies of yours? Oh, I'm bad at movies because um, my way of operating is like oh, just with a constant ebb of anxiety. So I feel like I've got to do a lot of things at all times. So sure. like committing to a full length movie, unless I've also got three other things to do at the same time, always is quite daunting. Having said that, did I watch three of the Avengers movies in one day about two days ago? Yes. But was I also... Uh, filming some videos, rhinestoning a costume, and also uh, <laughs> writing a new song. Absolutely, all at the same time. Um, favorite movies? I think I have to just be, um, as they did call me basic on the show, I will give a basic answer. I think, honestly, Mean Girls is quite high up there for me. Well, it's a pretty good one. It's kind of inarguable. Yeah. Yeah, because there's just... I, I really don't think anyone can have a single problem with that film. You might look at it and think objectively this is for teenage girls but that it's just too enjoyable well I, I think it also works uh, as a comment on society in general so there's a lot of layers to it and it can work in 
or for any audience. I was going to say in any context, but for any audience. Yeah, and it's smart. Do you know? I have to share this with you. I don't. Yeah. I. I. It honestly blew my mind. So I discovered the other day. There's a whole plot through Mean Girls that Regina fell out with Janice because she was a lesbian. She thought Janice was a lesbian, and mm-hmm. Janice was like, "No, I'm not a lesbian." There's one scene where they're at the prom where Kevin comes up to Janice and dances with her and is like, oh, yeah, like, what's, where are, like, where are your family from? Like, what's your cultural heritage? And she says, I'm Lebanese. It, it's taken me this long. <laughs> it's honestly taken me a decade of my life to put that association together and be like, oh, Regina didn't understand <laughs> that she was Lebanese. <laughs> and that is the, the entire basis of the film is a misunderstanding about Janice Ian's like cultural heritage and sexual preference. And the it other honestly changed the game for me completely. <laughs> and the other great thing that's laid, laid in there for older viewers or, you know, music geeks is that Janice Ian, of course, the famous uh, lesbian singer songwriter who did the song at 17. It, that, when as soon as I, I was like, oh my God, they named her Janice Ian. That's incredible. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, oh yeah. See, we're just all learning. Isn't it great? Yeah. And I love stuff that has many uh, like sort of Easter eggs of knowledge in it that you find out something a little bit later or a joke is buried in there because there's so much content in it that you're like oh i just Mm. found this thing out i just realized this connection with the lebanese it's honestly just made me so happy because i like i truly believe that tina fey is like some sort of like genius uh so like all of that sort of her performance in it and then her taking it and rewriting it to become a musical which i haven't seen yet because it isn't here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh, have you seen any of the songs online or anything? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Sounds gorgeous. We, I do love a pop musical. Again, oh. me showing my basic traits once again. Look, I love a me- Look, if you look behind me on the wall, there's the head, not that Hedwig, I don't know, pop musical. That's up to anyone's uh, decision. But like it's <laughs> yeah, Hedwig and Tommy. So I'm a huge uh, fan of musicals as well. Oh, me too. I honestly, yeah, I have a, a good obsession with a pop musical. Less so a jukebox musical, but definitely a pop musical. I feel exactly the same way. I want to like the jukebox musicals so much, especially like, so let's look at Rocket Man. Beautiful movie, mm. right? Uh, plays with the fabric of, re- of of actual facts quite a bit, but I, I liked it a lot. I just the jukebox thing, I, I just, I don't know. I kind of would prefer if it was just a, a newly written s- score, right? Absolutely. Because uh, I, I feel like with the jukebox musical, we all have our own associations with each number. And then it, if it doesn't feel like it fits in in our minds to the the, nar- the narrative, mm. it's jarring. Yeah. But having said that, I've I've had this thing in the back of my mind for about 10 years where I like wanted to write a jukebox musical um, to a particular album because it sort of already has the story storytelling in it and I, I've got like a word document somewhere on one of my google drives that's just got all of my bullet points that I wrote out like six years ago mm-hmm. being like these are the characters this is the journey maybe I'll write it one day the writing process is really interesting do you recommend just keeping notes of everything who want you know for anyone sorry who anyone who wants to pursue a career in a similar vein Mm. I think it's really difficult because sometimes the best thing for me in terms of getting something done is necessity. Like if I know that I've got been given dates for a show and they want another sort of parody or something like that, I'll 
I'll choose the topic and then I know that it has to be written on time. Um, and in fact, I have, a, I did one Christmas pantomime, which was a, a parody of Mary Poppins where the cast received the script, I think three days before the first performance. <laughs> That's the recommended time, I, right? Yeah. I mean, I was just like, I'm, I'm really, I'm really busy. <laughs> like I, I just didn't have time. Um, but I think keeping notes of things is a really, really good way to do it. That always works for me with like, um, particularly songwriting and things like that. I'll just scribble down like lyrics. And actually on Drag Race, I'd taken with me just like a book where I'd, because um, throughout the day I'm just sort of walking around and I'll just uh, try and write my own verse to like whatever song it is just to amuse myself and if I'm like oh that's really good that rhymes with that and that line's great jot it down in a notepad just in case there are any challenges that are relevant to that (laughs) so keeping notes of like ideas I think particularly works for songwriting and things and maybe also if you have like a character or like a scene or a plot point or something in mind just get that down and if it's not relevant to anything that you do for the next year that's wonderful but at some point you're going to be like what was that thing that I thought that would be perfect right now? Right. Cause sometimes people can get hung up with the blank page, but I think if you just have a bunch of stuff that's there, mm. you can sort of trawl through it and find something and work from there. Yeah, absolutely. And you also find that, um, you can build around things that you've done previously. Cause I found the the British pantomime, cause we have, I write a pantomime every year for, uh, one of the LGBTQ venues in Clapham. Um, and there are format points that you sort of have to hit. Like a British pantomime will always have a, it's behind you, like interactive <laughs> moment with the audience and certain songs. And there's um, a ghost gag where something has to, someone has to come on and kidnap the cast one by one until one person's left. And yeah, certain format points. And actually following that kind of structure means that, I, I know where I'm going. I know that this scene has to get me to this point. So actually, that could be another idea for people writing things for, from scratch is to sort of have the framework in place first rather mm. than what I've tried to do a lot of the times, which just ends up being a Word document that's just a stream of consciousness monologue that then just, <laughs> there's no trajectory for it. Sure. Yeah, that's right. And even taking a pre-existing form that's not for a certain assignment, but, you know, take any... Take a movie that you like is mediocre and figure out how to redo it or something, you know, then you, yeah. you can write your own thing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Let's get away from the creative stuff and just talk about uh, sex. What's your dating life like? 
Oh, very complicated. And also, <laughs> we probably, <love> that. <laughs> yeah, pr- probably one of the reasons that that seven month break was quite difficult <laughs> for me <laughs> go, between drag race. Um, yeah, it, I mean, we are in the middle of a global panatoni, so it's pretty non existent <laughs> at the moment. Well, but, sure. Um, Same thank, here. Thank thank you. Over, over a year abstinent, not by choice. So, yeah, <laughs> just against my will. Um, yeah, grateful to whoever it was who invented uh, an apps for the community because at least there's a vague communication happening occasionally. Although even, yeah, even that's a bit difficult at the moment because uh, there's a lot of, I thought you would have been really great in the comedy challenge this week. And I'm like, oh. I, I'm, I'm honestly here for the uh, exchange of nude images <laughs> and not for, <laughs> not for conversations about what RuPaul was like in real life. <laughs> yeah. Cultural criticism of any kind, actually not interested in this venue. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so, uh, but outside of that though, um, when was the first time that you had a situation? A situation? Do you mean uh, a romantic entanglement? Exactly, exactly that. Oh, that's... Oh, um, with... With a person. When was, uh, yeah, with a person. With a, no, no. With a human person. <laughs> um, that would have been like, while I was at school... Prob- I, I honestly don't know what age I was. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plump for a... Uh, a legal 16 that's sure. what i'm gonna say i think so <laughs> um but it was uh with a, a female human person oh okay i've heard of those and uh, further great no I, I, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite a fan of them myself yeah <laughs> um but that that um that gra- gradually shifted and was no longer the case for me um yeah i have not have not participated in such activities uh for many a year what was the progression like during that uh, changeover period, if you will? Oh, I think I definitely just had like a a swathe of of many years where I was just like, uh, sexual activity is enjoyable, and that in itself is a wonderful pastime to engage in, no matter how anyone sort of self defines, um, and things like that, um, and then eventually. I sort of learned of uh, the, the my own mental separation between sort of like my romantic interest, which I think the romantic interest and the sexual interest can be separate things sure. to an extent. And then eventually we came to the conclusion that we definitely defined ourselves as a gay man. Um, but isn't it fun to explore those things and sort of figure it out for yourself? It is, yeah, and I sort of came to the realization that I like more than just one situ- type of situation. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, so a little a, b- a bit later in life. So uh, you know, it's in- I'm always interested in when someone arrives at their the prescription that works for them. Yeah, but then I think these things are like can change and can become different. I think. Um, much like gender, sexuality can be a fluid experience as well. So yeah. I don't think just because someone has has been one thing means that they always will be. Sure. But also, the most important part is your life. Your life is your own. So you you make good choices for you, and as long as you're not sort of hurting or harming anyone, then that's great. 
Now, before the Panasonic, or I do like panettone because it's a, it is a, <laughs> a, a delightful dish. It makes you smile. Delicious. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Do you have a favorite flavor? Do you know, I don't. I always find it very confusing because I always think it's going to be like cake and then it's just air. <laughs> right. And yeah. there's never quite enough of the, like, for instance, the chocolate in the last one I got. There's like, you're always trying to dig for more and you, you end up eating more. So then it's like just this, a lot of bread in the end of, at the end of the day. Right. But very light, airy bread. That's delicious. true. Yeah. It's not really that much of a burden. It's just a light, delicious little treat. Uh, what, <laughs> do you have any uh, favorite um, sweets? Oh, um, all of them. Like, I honestly have, I have the sweetest tooth and it's the worst thing ever in the world for me. Like, um, I will absolutely demolish. You probably don't have them in America, but that we are, we have a biscuit called a custard cream and I will demolish an entire packet of custard creams and not notice that it's happened. Like, oh, yeah. Especially dipping it into a cup of tea, mm, just like mm, casually yeah. all gone. I honestly... Oh, every, every sweet, every uh, treat. Yeah, I, I'm the worst. I'm going to have to try custard creams the next time I'm over there uh, because I fell in love with a few things, minstrels in particular. Uh, those, <sighs> Delicious. Yeah, those are the best. There's not really an equivalent over here. So, really? Yeah, but you can buy them on Amazon now, I see, which is good. Well, it's not good. I mean, it's good or bad depending on how you look at it. Yeah. I think it's good. I yeah, no, great. you're right. I appreciate that. Thank you for the support. I needed that on, on this Monday. <laughs> uh, in terms of relationships, you mentioned the difference between romantic and sexual and everything. Did you have a relationship at any time before the Panettone that was a combination of the two? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, as as you you may have seen on the uh, the sort of special episode that they aired, there was uh, definitely a boyfriend cutting my hair. Oh, okay. So uh, the, forgive me. That's the one episode I didn't see. Oh, it's um, equal parts uplifting and also just um, quite difficult. There's a lot of things in there that I, I loved it because I got to watch the people that were in the workroom with me sort of living their lives during that time. Because um, we sort of didn't, obviously we didn't see each other. We're all from different parts of the country. Yeah. Um, and to see to see Cherry Valentine legitimately working on the front line putting on their nurse's uniform and going out there to work in our national health service during a pandemic was um really tough and really inspiring and she's actually someone that i i think is absolutely amazing and also just all of our nhs workers in general yeah um are just wonderful wonderful people because this must have been the absolute worst time to be working <laughs> in a national health service absolutely at all. Yeah, I, I can't imagine the terror and by the way um so i'm sorry i didn't know about the boyfriend thing and if that was something that ended during this time i didn't mean to offend you so my no, apologies it's fine. no 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 not at all um my my one skill is try, if i if i'm uncomfortable i don't worry about it i won't i won't I won't be, basically. Okay, good. Well, because also I like to be up on all the data, and I just somehow missed that episode. You know, I think I, it was a, a day when I was like, I know we're in a pandemic. I don't need to see this, that kind of thing. I don't know if it, <laughs> I, I don't know if they put it, I think it's on Wow Presents. I'm not I, sure. No, I think it is. And I think I, um, I was like, oh, I'll watch that later. You know, because that kind of thing where you're like, I don't want to know about what's going on right now. I, I'm aware. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. So it was uh, tough. Yeah, right. And was- so sometimes you just want to like hide under the covers and, 
watch like sleazy early 80s movies, which is what anything with a hooker or a stripper. I'm like, I'm in. This is great. Oh my God, gorgeous. That actually <laughs> does sound wonderful. But yeah, no, I would, I would, I would actually recommend watching it. Sorry, I'm just trying to unhook this bra that I oh, have no. on. Do, do your thing, because I cut as well. So if you need to adjust something or whatever, uh, you can take a break if you want. Oh, I love that. I just, I'm just enjoying our chat, to be honest. Oh, this that's lovely. Fun. I am as well. Yeah. I am as well. I, I don't, I, when I get tongue-tied, I, like, I freak out. I mean, I'm, you know, it's that crazy thing where you think in your mind it's just larger than life, uh, um, flopping on the floor, but it's really, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just absolutely fine. I do that, like, all the time when I have to, like, record things or if I'm doing something, I get really frustrated with myself when I, like, stumble over words or whatever, and I'm like, I've ruined it for everyone! <laughs> But then it's completely fine. Especially funny when you get in that mode when you're like, I know I can edit this. Why am I getting so crazy? But I found, I found, especially doing like the intros where it's like, hey, today on the show or whatever. Oh, and I have an intro for you that I'll do at the end of the show because I think it's appropriate. Um, (laughs) But doing some self tape stuff or whatever during this last year is one of the many things that I found sometimes absolutely impossible to do, which seems weird because we Mm. mentioned how, you know, um, they had people had this expectation of everyone's going to come back with full razzle dazzle but like the amount of energy in the tank has been so low it's awful isn't it it's like completely depleted um and i think the one thing that i i've realized and a lot of us have realized and you know you really do have to take time for yourself like i think everyone's underestimated the sort of mental health strain that we've all gone through during this time and like i think everyone's expecting to sort of jump back up and be like i'll be back in the office fresh as a daisy 9 (laughs) a.m um but that's just not great and i hope that everyone's had the time to sort of realize that running yourself into the ground for the sake of um maintaining the buoyancy of a corporate machine is honestly not worth your energy and you should make sure that you're happy financially as well that's important but just like mentally it's it's the most important thing it's been really really difficult really difficult but i think everyone sort of found their own hopefully found their own coping mechanisms and their their ways to deal with it and it's also one of the recurring things that i've noticed because there's um the app cameo where you can request sort of like videos and things like that Mm. The ones that have co- been coming through for me most regularly are people saying, my friend's really struggling at the moment. Yeah. It's not like, can you say happy birthday to Claire? It's like, my friend's really struggling at the moment. Can you like just say something to make it better? And that's like really difficult to read, but also something that I'm so grateful to this platform for that for some reason, because of this show, like... I now have the ability to sort of like hopefully sort of encourage someone to feel better. And that's like probably the best thing that I've ever experienced is like that feeling that like I might just make someone smile when they're having a difficult time. Yeah. You know, my friend at Christmas time got me one from someone it was a really lovely like it was uh, william hung i don't know if you're familiar with him from american idol he was one of the guys that um yes really came- oh my god yes i yeah yeah and it was like the most unexpected thing and it really just lifted my spirits like no one's business so it's wonderful that you can do that and 
I, I imagine that you've filmed some of those when you've been almost on empty on your tank, but then you do one of those and I'm guessing it kind of like lifts you up a little bit. Yeah, it does. And I think I like ha probably have an annoying habit of being too honest with people. So like, I think a few people have ended up with a video where I've got, I have got tongue tied and just gone, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to lie to you. It's 3am. I started putting makeup <laughs> on at midnight. I'm so sorry. And just like carry on because that's honestly how it's all, all operating at the moment. Um, yeah. Oh, I had a week where I was out of my medication and I just, I, I train wrecked a couple times and I was, I had three shows in a row. And it was just yeah. like a bloodbath at certain moments. But I just had to say, hey, listen, by the way, my apologies. Because really, the thoughts just left my head. And then you have the flop sweat. And then you go, oh, uh, you know, the, yeah. the the tumble forward, like into the glass pane. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like totally feel that energy. And that's like, that's the weird thing that I keep thinking about is that at some point, after nearly a year, I'm going to actually be back on a stage doing a show, which is so exciting and I can't wait for. But I have now gone from the situation where my shows were, you know, in in a basement with 40 people in the audience to... Yeah. I actually don't know what my first show is. Like, I don't know what my first thing's going to be. Am I going to have to be on, like, a a big stage in front of like more people and that's the first time that I hold a microphone again for <laughs> a year like it's suddenly like it's that's a really overwhelming thought to me I'm sure it's really exciting for everyone else on the cast and they're like I can't wait this is what we wanted to do and I'm like I don't want to ruin it what if I what if I'm terrible <laughs> but it's even like uh, on a smaller scale going on a date in the world again like the, the notion right. went through my head the other day and i was like oh well, yeah like it's what you want to do but at the same time it's freaky because we haven't done it for so long and i imagine that jump in stage size venue size would be a lot anyway but you add this into the whole thing mm. it's like it is mad to just think about like even just the concept of like like setting foot inside the venues that we spend all our time in or like have previously because yeah. I like I've I've gone for um one or two socially distanced walks which are already weird as a concept and now have become very familiar um but I always walk past the venue that that I work at most on Clapham High Street and it's just so sad just even looking at the empty poster frames outside where it usually says like ball first friday of the month back room with dj liam like all of that kind of thing i'm just like there's literally nothing happening this is a big empty room that is usually full of like joy and on a saturday night at around 1am absolute carnage um <laughs> and now it's like just been empty for a year it literally breaks my heart and like the fact that like lgbtq venues um have already been struggling right. historically like what's this going to do? Is everything going to open back up? I really hope that it's going to be sustainable and we don't lose more venues. Many thoughts. That, Many, that I, was a stream of consciousness monologue. <laughs> which I love though. That's what I, you know, it's sort of the, sort of the uh, bedrock of the show, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I had a similar thing the other night. I went on a night walk and I actually went to go get vapes because I'm trying to stay as healthy as possible. And um, I walked past a place where I've had a 
many dates. It's very yeah. well located because it's a lovely restaurant. It's also not that far of a walk to my apartment. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> and it was so spooky because yes, they do have some outdoor door dining, but the whole street felt dead. And mm. while consciously I was like, well, it's good that everyone's staying in. It's good that everyone's away. It's the visceral feeling that you can't quite shake sometimes. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really, really bizarre. There's just like, it's a lot to sort of process on its own. And then it's sort of all of this, just so everyone's lives have changed in some way, whether it's for good, for bad, for whatever reason, like nothing is the same as it was when we all last felt the freedom of not like screaming with fear if someone accidentally bumped into us on the street like um ev everyone's changed in some way and i just i had this really strange moment where i was stood with my friend when we'd done the walk outside the two brewers and the manager lives opposite so we were sort of just down down a little alleyway trying to call him to like wave at him through a window yeah um, <clears throat> which is normal now, apparently. <laughs> just like, we we can't come inside because it's illegal. So we'll just wave at you from a distance. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, turning my flashlight on and off. Can you see me? Yeah, Morse code. <laughs> um, and this like lovely girl, like teenage girl ran around the corner and was like, I'm so sorry to bother you. Like, are you from RuPaul's Drag Race? And it was just this like strange thing of like, she she was so incredibly excited and I was so incredibly excited because I have not had that experience because we've all been in, inside. And I, I just suddenly realized like, oh my God, like people are actually watching it and it makes yeah. them happy. And like, we're making people happy and that's so good. Yeah. While sort of outside the thing that like made me a drag performer in the first place, the building where it all started. Exactly, yeah. Not being able to entertain anyone inside. So it was this strange contrast of like, I you are receiving the entertainment that I wish I was providing. I can't compute this. Yes, yeah. we can take a socially distanced selfie. Um, but also please can our like queer venues open up again. I yeah. don't know how to feel. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite overwhelming, but me having an existential crisis because of <laughs> selfie just stood there like all the good terrifying. things and all the weird things running in parallel. It's such a strange yeah. feeling. Yeah. Really strange. Something you mentioned earlier made me think also of we have this thing of, oh, well, we'll get to the office and be fresh as a daisy. And I think sometimes mm. there's this guilt that we have when we're not able to overcome the last bad couple of days or you have a couple of good days and you think, oh, I'm over it now. And then you're back in the shit again. So I think it's good to not beat yourself up for yeah. that because it is just a, it's like it's easier now and we can see the end, but it's still, you know, dicey at, at times. Oh, for sure. And that's like the one thing that like I always say to people is like um, er people treat crying like it's a criminal activity. Oh, I'm yeah. like, I find it so bizarre. Like, it's honestly like one of my top three things to do like in the world. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, if I'm upset about something like your body's literally telling you like this is a thing that will make you feel better. And everyone right. always like fights it and it's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I can deal with it. <laughs> like, just don't just cry and be like, yeah. I'm actually really upset about this. Like, honestly, it's one of my favorite things because it genuinely does make me feel better afterwards. Whereas like bottling things up, it becomes a problem. A real problem. In a way, it's kind of like if you've drank too much, it's probably better if you feel like you're going to puke. Don't lay on the mm. bed trying to not puke. Just go puke. You're going to feel better in minutes it's gonna be a, a nightmare for a couple minutes but then 
<laughs> exactly. Also, I can't believe you'd you'd uh, bring up getting too drunk and needing to puke after I've just <laughs> spoken about my favourite venue being closed. <laughs> Such good times. <laughs> and the carnage on the dance floor, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Another time that I was wondering about that might, seemed like it was clearly difficult to go through uh, and on, I know you talk. I know that in the interviews you get to talk a lot about Drag Race, so I hope that this isn't dull. But I want to talk about the headspace that you were in when mm. you, um, what was it? Um, I'm trying to remember the phrase they used. Basically, they were imploring you to get to a higher standard, to bring it, and then you felt like you brought it, and then they kind of came for you again uh, for the makeup. Let's say. Yeah. And I, I have to say, I thought the uh, ice cream outfit was very cute. I thought it was nice. You know what I mean? It was a, uh, you know, uh, what would I do? Do I see like the guest judge going, Oh, I want one of those for when I go out. Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Pop, on the, pop on the cherry. That's part of the new merch line, right? It's like a headset phone and the, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a Bluetooth cherry and you also get your own nineties pager with it as well. Oh, that's fantastic. That's good. We're going to see a lot of those at the clubs when they open up again. Mm, absolutely <laughs> all the rage <laughs> but uh, it's mainly about the the headspace of like pulling yourself out of that kind of like absolute sort of uh, what i imagine to be a panic feeling um yeah I, that specific example was weird because what actually happened in my head when michelle was like but the makeup I w- I my first thought was you you could have mentioned this before, but this is the first <laughs> time you're bringing this up. Right. What did what did you want me to do without being in possession of the information that you felt that I needed to improve that? But okay, <laughs> fine. Yeah. Um, it was a tough one because I think for some people with the show, you have the complete ability to like persevere and power through anything which I've always thought that I had I truly believe that I'm a very resilient person and have that capability of working really hard but when you've heard the same thing not for weeks for weeks and then a seven month break to stew and dwell on it for (laughs) so long because you can't leave the house or do anything else yeah um and then you continue to hear it and it's not just from the judges, it's also, um, you've been voted most basic. What are you going to do to stop being so basic? Oh, you're basic. I think you're really basic. Can't believe Estina went because you're so basic. Like, I, it gets to a point where I'm just like, I honestly am stood on the stage thinking about whether or not I'm going to order the chicken katsu curry and get ed- extra edamame beans, maybe. Like... It's it's a lot. And it honestly was, in my opinion, nothing to do with the judges. I kind of was more fed up with being told it by my fellow contestants, where I was just like, well, we're, you know, many of us are quite close, uh, but but you've, you've got some lights and some cameras on you, and suddenly we're <laughs> repeating things that I thought we'd moved on from. But, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It, it, there was a little bit of that kind of thing in a little heavier sense in the recent episode with Ellie. I felt kind of like um, you're surprised that the person you're picking on isn't favoring you. Oh, well. Well, th- this is the gorgeous thing about watching it back because um, I wasn't there. So I hadn't realized that as much as I felt like I had six episodes worth of everyone just being like, it's you, you're going. Oh, okay, this time it's you, you're going. 
oh wait no it's you you're going as soon as I was gone it was suddenly like sister sister you don't have a badge you're going oh she's gone Ellie Diamond what are you gonna do like it's just like everyone's just moving from one to the other we could also just uh do what some of the contestants are doing and focus on our own selves (laughs) (laughs) right other people exactly and i mean it's terrible the hate that's gone on recently particularly uh, Mm. people attacking lawrence and the hate in general with the show is a problem because like like we said before the show is a beacon of light in a very very dark troubling time so maybe take it a little easy on the other people who are also in the same panatoni that we are exactly and like i i do understand it because it is um when you're like distance from it i.e you're not the person on the show yeah it's maybe in a way like a very accessible entertaining uh lengthy sporting event sure uh probably probably hence the name to be honest but um when it came to the way that people responded to sister initially and also lawrence i just cannot believe it because people are like if I need to get annoyed about something and have words with someone about it, I am very capable of doing so uh, in a way that I think is appropriate and will initiate a conversation. I don't like a horror doesn't need you all to attack sister because she also dressed as a bag of chips. Like it's so <laughs> ludicrous to me that people are getting annoyed about someone who dressed with a seagull on their head as a bag of chips. People are like, no, Ahura is the original. If we really want to talk about who the original bag of chips on Drag Race UK was, then let's rewatch season one because that's literally her name. Yeah. But like, it's all in good fun at the end of the day because if if any of us had problems with each other, we would p- be able to have a conversation about it or not if that's that. That's our own choice. And I think everyone is very entitled to have their tweet their opinions about things or whatever but to go through what sister went through and what lawrence is experiencing at the moment which is literal death threats right is absolutely unbelievable in what is honestly as sister said when she left this has been the stupidest experience of my life (laughs) like it's i like what's going on i've like sellotapes a bit of material to the wall and i've got makeup on my face there is no reason for anyone to get mad about it like (laughs) right it's it's just fun it's just silly fun yeah i know the absurdity gets lost when there's death threats yeah for sure and that's that should be the magic of the show is that it's like i like i watch it back and consider how ludicrous it is that we're all taking like our lives so seriously (laughs) like i should have won that enamel pin badge over you like with high drama it's it's absolutely ludicrous yeah but it becomes more ludicrous when you haven't been in that environment and you still feel the need to be like um lawrence can't believe that you were so mean to this person that you've known for half a decade and we met like two months ago um (laughs) i don't know i feel like they could have the conversation about it and also, it's uh, the kind of thing where it's a pressure cooker environment. So the worst sides of people do come out. So people should take that into consideration. I think the main lesson, too, is that say all the shit you want in a group chat with your friends. Do you know what I mean? Because we've all said horrible things watching the show about people on the show because you get bitchy or whatever. But that's not yeah. really that's not really uh, suitable for public consumption. No. And the, the thing that the worst thing for me... And it's such a minor thing, but it's like, 
I think people think because you were on a TV show that like you literally don't see your notifications on social media. Like something changes magically because <laughs> there's a blue tick on Instagram. It's com- it's a different app. Like someone's <laughs> running the account for you. Yeah, you right. You like. No, I, every time someone posts like an Instagram story where they get someone to vote and to toot or boot the looks every week, I'm like, you please, like this is the fifth week in the row that I've got a notification from about 17 different accounts from like Brazil to Chicago to <laughs> wherever telling me that my outfit is ugly. Like I know, I saw it. <laughs> the judges told me. I also don't need to know that 93% of you agree. <laughs> like. <laughs> Well, by the much. way, I, I haven't mentioned it yet, so my uh, apologies, but congratulations on Outside In. And I wanted to comment on how uh, glamorous and um, lovely you look in the video and the promo material. Thank you. I'm, that was that's hilariously people commented when I put the promo, the image of the um, actual cover out being like, but this is what Rue wanted all along. And I was like, yeah, this promo photo that was photographed to me two years ago because <laughs> we're in a pandemic and I haven't been able to have a photo shoot like all that basically happened coming onto the show is the way that my drag operates in the environment that I'm in we don't have like the pageants of the US or this like concept of all of these things so unless you're very much in that fashion realm you will gladly go on stage in something that fits and is sparkly because your job is there to entertain the audience, like yeah. I've had shows where I've gone on without lashes, done my makeup in 20 minutes. It's dark because we've only got two lights on the stage pointing like inwards and like no one can really see what's happening anyway. So like it's a completely different world. So I was just like, this is what I think is supposed to happen. So I'm going to try and do it in the way that I think is meant to happen. Turns out what I should have been doing was wearing what I wanted to wear the whole time. Oh, sure. Other than sort of playing up to my own expectations of what the show is supposed to be. Because I got it into my head watching the first season that I was like, okay, well, it was pretty campy. Like, Bagger wore an umbrella upside down on her head (laughs) with a rubber duck in it. So, like, I'm going to play up to the the UK drag is camp aspect of things. Um, and then they cast an entire fashion season and I was wrong. <laughs> so it was just a bad judgment call on my part. <laughs> but now I get to do the, the music video for Outside In and stuff and like wear the kind of thing that I I would have done anyway and sort of present myself in in uh, in the pop princess way that I kind of always wanted to. Yeah. Now, what was it like working with Little Boots? <gasps> the gag, the absolute <laughs> gaggery of it all. Um Little Boots and Tom Aspel, sort of like the fact that they're both writers on this song is absolutely incredible. Like Tom Aspel is a sort of iconic British queer singer-songwriter in his own right, who I thought maybe one day I'd have the opportunity to meet drunk on a night out and say, <laughs> oh my God, I love your album and get to meet you back. Um, and then Little Boots, like Little Boots' music, I literally perform in my set like her songs are in my set list yeah so this was just a clash of worlds that in so many ways makes total sense and in many other ways i'm just screaming internally being like i'm asleep (laughs) this isn't happening like i'm literally asleep right now (laughs) is there an album coming out at any point or will it be a series of singles um there's definitely more music coming talking in abstract terms um i am I, I'm definitely working on a lot more things, but I will we'll, we'll see we'll see how it 
is presented. I think that's a, still a decision-making process. Yeah, and also there's so many more ways to present stuff now. Yeah, I mean, particularly with the drag aspects of things and the things that I'm passionate about, the not only am I so passionate about pop music as like legitimate pop music, see me being obsessed with like Eurovision and girl bands my entire life for details, <laughs> but drag is so visual. So it's the videos and all of that sort of thing that I want to think about, like the right way to package and present everything to everyone, because this like moment that I feel that we've captured where we've, as we've said many times, we've been able to bring a bit of joy into everyone's yeah. households every week. I just want to keep doing that yeah. um, through music, through visual things, through um, very, very silly tweets as well. <laughs> well, and also um, UK Hun definitely brightened a lot of people's days over and over because it also gets stuck in your head and you can't escape it. Yeah, the United Kingdoms version um, I think at this point has been played 500,000 more times on Spotify than my <laughs> my team's version, um, which obviously I am like incredibly happy for them that they did did so, so well um, in terms of that challenge. But also uh, just just a tiny bit sad. <laughs> that um, yeah. 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 Um, but it's such a catchy song. And it was great that like all of us got to be part of that. Um, well, as a Eurovision when, obsessive, you must have been excited. Oh, yeah, excited. And then it really stung when I was like, you're in the bottom two. Oh. Girl group, Eurovision, <laughs> literally my favorite thing to, on this planet. Um, and you've you've done me dirty like this in front of Graham Norton as well. How dare you? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was really exciting to be part of that. And also, whether or not whether or not the uh, the history books remember Filth Harmony or Banana, Rama, Banana Drama uh, moving forward in time, Who's to say? But I bet the Frog Destroyers and United King Dolls have been able to do something really different and sort of push push drag out into more people's lives. I'm sure there's many people who haven't seen Drag Race who have definitely heard Bing Bang Bong. Oh yeah, I imagine so. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so what's the uh, what's the rest of your day look like? What does the rest of my day look like? Um, it looks like definitely another cup of coffee because I've like run out now and I'm like, keep going, you can do it. I believe in you. So I need to like <laughs> caffeinate up. Um, I have um, a few little bits and pieces that I need to get on with, um, including maybe a little bit of writing. Oh, that well, sounds nice. If I can yeah. sort of fit that in. Um, also, rhinestoning a bodysuit—that's mm-hmm. an important thing that will be happening during multiple phone calls. I love how you—I feel like you asked this question, and I was meant to say something like really exciting. No, I'm I, genuinely I, just talking you through my day. Now. No, that's <laughs> what I wanted like, to hear. I was curious about the, what the rest of your day would be like. Yeah, yeah. Um, like just lots of like bits and pieces. It's it's odd at the moment, isn't it? Because I feel like we we all have like tasks. That yeah. we want to complete. Like I knew that we were going to sit down for this period of time and have a lovely chat. So this is exactly. like a, a moment in the day, and then everything else that happens is sort of like ethereally floating in the ether for me to just sort of grab out randomly. That's how I feel too. I'm like outside of this, it's like kind of catches catch can. Like maybe I'll be editing something, probably, or doing this or that. But it's like, yeah, I find that that's really common lately too. Instead of having a couple big things during the day, it's like there's one main thing. And then everything else sort of floats around it. Mm. And I think that's nice in a way. Like, it's almost nice that you extend things out over a period of time. So, like, in my mind, 
not that weekends necessarily ever existed for for me as a, a drag performer, but like um like weekends, I feel like people who are working office jobs are sort of like, like do you know what? I'll just send that email tomorrow. I know it's the weekend, but what does that even mean anymore? Like right. it's it's quite nice. Is it like somewhere like Sweden or somewhere where they actually just do like they do six day working weeks, but it's like ten till four. I think it is. Like everything's yeah. shorter. Yeah, it's much shorter, the work day. Which makes sense because, mm. like, the nine to five plus, uh, the if some people have hour commutes, then you're thinking like, mm. how is that supposed to work really? No, absolutely. I kind of don't miss working <laughs> in a, a normal job. What was your last normal job? At my last normal job, um, interestingly, was working in uh, television behind the scenes. Oh, what did you do? I, Writing or. Uh, no, I very boring admin, not very boring admin because that's really mean to people who do those jobs now. And actually, they're all iconic and it's really difficult. Um, it's like a lot of logistics and typing out risk assessments and call sheets and making sure that there's money um, in an envelope for them to take with them or in an account or balancing mm-hmm. up and putting receipts into Excel spreadsheets and things like that. So I was basically doing admin, but it just happened to be. Uh, for something that seems really exciting turns out (laughs) more exciting (laughs) but have you found that that experience has helped you with managing the um let's say the less glamorous aspects of your career um yeah to an extent it definitely made me like more on edge when we were filming because I had more of an awareness of what was going on anytime I heard like a radio or like someone oh, yeah. like <laughs> I would just like we'd be having a conversation and I'd just see like someone turn to talk to someone and I was like, <laughs> like something's I going on. They're about, to, to it. they're about to do yeah. something to us. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> um But yeah, I think I think I, that would be one aspect of things that if I could um go back and do it again. I just like fully brush that off because I think for me, confessionals were like my free time to like sit there and be like, I'm just having a chat, like very, very this. Yeah, very having a chat. Yeah. 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 And that felt very freeing. Whereas like all the conversations, I was like, there's too many people in the workroom. You just talk to each other. I'm going to sit quietly. (laughs) Well, you definitely shone during the uh, confessionals. I mean, everyone fell in love with you pretty quickly on the show as well. Thank you. That's really nice. Well, it's true. And so there is justice for Tia. And that's the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to an extent. I think it's just, it's it's still really strange for me because I'm um, just really socially awkward. So when oh, people really? say nice things about my, my confessionals, I'm like, oh, that's a nice thing to say. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that As nice thing like, that you yeah. said. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I find it very difficult to own... The idea, I'd like a brief, someone just knock on my door. Um, yeah, the whole concept of being, uh, I don't know, maybe I'll just start calling myself a confessionals assassin, since they <laughs> wouldn't give me the lip sync assassin title, which, right. to be honest, I didn't really, I just asked that question because I was like, well, we'll have a conversation, why not? Um, yeah. What a lovely reaction they all gave it. Uh, but I've been calling myself <laughs> the lip sync meh assassin. Oh, yeah, sure. Just like, 
Yeah, she did. It, it's no Gigi good doing a backflip, but I did a forwards <laughs> roll dressed as an ice cream. That's camp. Like, yeah. <laughs> that qualifies, right? Is that, uh, yeah, yeah, not everyone has to do the backflip as long as you have the camp outfit. But we said socially mm. awkward. So did, uh, it's in, always interesting because so, so often performers are. Um, do you? How would you characterize you going into a club if you were not either working it or as the doll? Mm, how many drinks have we had at this point? That makes a big difference. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah. Well, let's say three. Three. And what's your favorite drink? Oh, gin and tonic. Absolutely. Um, I think it depends because it's in a like, it's sort of a weird thing now that I never used to have, which is like working in drag means that whenever I go to my favorite places, they are also places that I work. So if sure. I'm like out with friends, I still get to be like. Oh, Agatha's here managing this room today, and Reese is behind the bar. Hi, guys! Like having like a nice moment. So it's it's completely different. But um, I think I've always been socially awkward in like the reverse way that it's expected. And like weirdly, we mentioned Big Brother earlier, but when I this has just reminded me when I started at um secondary school high school I on the first day first week in fact just went around asking anyone no like not even thinking like you stick to different year groups or like these people are a lot older than you and might not be interested in what a 10 year old 11 year old has to say to them (laughs) um I went around because it was the final that week and I did like a tally asking everyone who they thought was going to win because I was just like, there are so many people here. I'll be able to like work it out before it happens. Because oh, this is yeah. basically like, like this is good maths because I can ask like a hundred people, yeah, and then I'm going to predict it before it happens. Because I'm also a geek, <laughs> and so I, th- I thought it was a great idea. And then that just like um, made me like uncomfortably known to like every single year group as the one who went around just asking like people you'd never spoken to in your life who was going to win big brother because i just thought that was normal to like be very friendly and chatty with anyone and Um, it's also your enthusiasm and so you really want to share your enthusiasm or see it reflected (laughs) with others and then uh, my guess is that once that sort of had a backfire then it makes you go oh i'll stay away from that whole set of operations like i'm not going to go up to people as much it, it kind of makes you within go within yourself a bit yeah to an extent but also i think i like rebel against it a little bit which uh also probably passed through onto the show when in the face of being called like basic 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 constantly all that made me do is think well, I get to have a nice time in the confessionals when I'm like just having this one-on-one. So I can look forward to that bit. I know that this is going to happen to me constantly in this. So maybe I won't look forward to like, it's a new day in the workroom, walking in for another morning, being told that I am predictably going to wear a horrible outfit or something. Um, But I get to look forward to this. Like I just tend to like realign my gaze a little bit and be like, this bit's fun. Veronica's nice to me. And doing drag is exciting. And also I'm literally walking on the main stage of RuPaul's Drag Race, a thing that we never thought was going to happen because we didn't have the show in this country when we all started doing drag. So it's kind of impossible to focus on the negative when you're sort of just looking around like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory being like, wow! (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, that's good. So then you made where did you maintained a similar kind of approach in school then? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like you sort of, I think people find their flow and their vibe and their niche. And I was, um, my friends tended to skirt. You know how you always have like the popular sporty ones. Yeah. And like for a few years, I was accidentally like nearly that just because I happened to be quite reasonable for some reason at like hockey and I was tall so I could jump like do the high jump pretty well. Like I just bizarrely was like adequate at a few sports. Um, So the PE teachers did not come for me as hard as they did later. Um, So that was weird. And then like my friendship group, I was just like, actually, no, I want to do the school plays because that's what I've been doing anyway. So like, you guys are mean. I'm not dealing with this. Yeah. It kind of always in my mind felt like it was my own choice that I was like, no, you're not very nice. Actually, you're unkind. So luckily I have these friends because as well as being on the hockey team, I'm also in the drama club and school choir and the orchestra debate. Like I was very that kind of, I'm doing everything. (laughs) An all-rounder from an early age. Uh, What did you play in orchestra? Um, So I got asked to be in the orchestra eventually because of general musical ability. So Mm -hmm. I didn't actually play anything. They just didn't have anyone who could do percussion. So like me and two of my friends who could like read music and had rhythm, but we were actually just chosen because we were good in the choir. Mm. Just had to turn up and be like, (laughs) things when the music told us to. So I did not play like the xylophone or like the cymbal or like any of the rest of the random things. Triangle. Did you have a triangle run at any point? Actually, my friend Harry genuinely only did the triangle in the orchestra and just had to go ding, 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 ding in one song and would just sit for the other like three <laughs> songs that we were performing. So that was just like that orchestra moment was just an emergency backup plan because the music teacher was like, I have no one. Yeah. Please, just, you, you do it. <laughs> I um, never learned really to read music, except I could figure out where I was, where I had to do the percussion bit. So I was, I played percussion in the school orchestra uh, for a bit because I played drums. I play other instruments, oh, wow. but I still have never been really that great with sheet music, but I'm good at sort of knowing when the thing is supposed to happen. So that worked out well. Well, you can, you can sort of like figure it out for like with the instruments, if you know what, your chords are or anything like that like you can create your own thing so I yeah feel like exactly the, the reading of music is sort of point well not pointless but like irrelevant to what you want to create yourself yeah exactly and you can get around it particularly if it's a uh, percussion i guess not that it's easier but if that's your thing yeah <laughs> i i was really bad at it to be honest <laughs> i just like hit stuff too hard and he'd be like softer and i'm like i d- i I'm doing this as a favor to you. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not emotionally invested in the situation. <laughs> <laughs> Do you play other instruments? Um, I've always tried to, and I would never say that I can, but I did like learn piano and guitar for a bit. And now I can sort like very, very poorly. Actually, do you know what? I'm not even going to declare guitar as an option. <laughs> like I can we, we've got about four chords that over the space of five minutes, I'd probably be able to like just about get my fingers in the right place for them. But it's the nails. They really get in the way of pressing down the, the strings. Yeah, so sometimes glamour just gets in the way. Stress. What can you do about it? Yeah. Absolutely. Although at school, I did have to play the bass in our um, 
we had like a weekly chapel service because it was a Church of England like school, which I don't it probably doesn't happen as much for you, but in the UK, like religious schools are still there, but they're just schools. Like no one thinks of it in that way. <laughs> um, so we had like a weekly chapel service and I did have to play the bass guitar while my friend Chantel and other people in a band, she sang um, sort of just like a Christian hymn in front of like our year group. And that was just a thing that we did because our head of RE was also a reverend who led chapel services, <laughs> which is really, I think that's actually quite normal here that a lot of oh, okay. schools, particularly like outside of like big cities, you'll find that like, like the school up the road was Trinity Catholic school. Oh, okay. And then like the school, like, that like, yeah i've never really thought about that until i'm like talk, t- t- talking to you about it and i'm like it is weird isn't it <laughs> like, well, it's, it's, it's definitely very um uk specific i think at, at least to an american yeah we do have like to be honest most schools are probably like completely non-denominational or, or whatever but like you'll find like in in those sort of suburbany like maybe more villagey areas everything's like a Church of England or Catholic or something. Sure, yeah. Well, I know that we uh, had 90 minutes scheduled and we're just hitting that now. So um, would you like to do another one sometime? Oh my God, this has actually been so much fun. I just feel like we're having, I honestly forgot that we were um, recording things. I was just having a really lovely chat. Oh no, that's (laughs) lovely. I just didn't want to, I didn't want to impose on your time and everything. Do you know what I mean? No, I, I, it's four, oh, it's five, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, do have another thing that I have to do in yeah. like half an hour. Tia, I know you have to go, but I want to tell you how lovely of a chat this has been and how much fun I've had. And thank you for starting my day right. Oh, well, thank you for taking me into the evening correctly with different <laughs> different time zones. <laughs> I'm glad we could help each other with that. <laughs> <laughs> for more stuff and plenty of things, head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and friends.